uh, started a new series this morning called A Living Hope. Say, A Living Hope. A Living Hope. It is a study on 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn there or you can follow along on the study notes that we provided for you. Um, but First Peter, First Peter chapter 1. Let's just, let's just start this off by reading and we'll jump right into it and take, let's just jump in this journey uh, together. First Peter chapter 1, begin reading at verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Speak to us. Encourage us, correct us, do whatever you need to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, any guesses as to who wrote 1 Peter? Peter, right? Peter. This is, 1 Peter is, is a letter, and what we just read there in these just two verses is this greeting of a letter, a greeting. And I'm going to hang out just in these first two verses for uh, our time together this morning because there's a lot to unpack here specifically about the author, Peter. Now, 1 Peter is a, is a letter, as we're going to see throughout the next few weeks, it is a, it is a letter that is written to, to Christians that are, that are living in various regions of what we know as, as Asia Minor. And, and we would know today as modern-day Turkey. And so Peter is writing this letter to, to these Jewish believers, these Jewish Christians who were separated from their homeland. If you see there in the greeting, it says to the exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus. And so we see he's writing this to, to Jewish believers, these exiles, people who've been separated from their homeland. And these particular Christians in these regions they are living in are experiencing persecution. They're going through a lot of trials. And so what Peter does is he writes this letter to encourage and help build up these believers while living in environments that are hostile towards their faith. And not only is he writing this letter to encourage them, but he's also writing this letter to instruct them. He's writing this letter to instruct them in, in how to live out this Christian life in a world that may be hostile towards them. How to live out this Christian life as a Christ follower in a world that may be anti-Christ. And so we see encouragement and we see instruction. And so that's why I'm excited for you to take this journey with me as we go through the book of 1 Peter because I know it'll be an encouragement for you, but also some good instruction for you or for all of us. And so first, Peter writes this letter to build up believers and to encourage believers and to instruct them. 
But this morning, what I want to talk about today is the fact that I believe that this letter, not only is it encouragement and instruction, but this letter is also an answer to one of Jesus' prayers for Peter. This letter is an answer to one of Jesus' prayers, a, a prayer that Jesus prayed for Peter. We are seeing this answered in 1 Peter. So let's talk about 1 Peter for a moment. Let's talk about Peter. Peter was a fisherman that was uh, called out by Jesus to follow him, to be one of his disciples. And so J Peter, for three years, did ministry with Jesus. He, he followed Jesus. He walked with Jesus. Can you imagine the things that Peter got to experience? Can you imagine the things that Peter got to see and witness with his own eyes? Imagine the miracles he got to see. Imagine the, the supernatural events he got to be a part of. Imagine all the, the, the words of wisdom and knowledge about the kingdom of God that, that he got to hear sitting and walking and listening to Jesus. Like, this is an incredible position to be in. Well, that's what Peter was called into. Peter, this fisherman, called out to follow Jesus. And Peter identifies himself in this greeting as an apostle of Jesus Christ. This, this leader, this, this, this pillar in the church, as we would call it today, one of the, the pillars and, and forefathers of our church, Peter. But I would present to you today that it wasn't always like that for Peter. In fact, what we're going to discover today is that Peter would have to walk through some brokenness. Peter would have to walk through some very dark seasons and trials before he would ever step into the position of being a leader or a pillar of the church. And as I say pretty often, that's one of the reasons why I love the Bible so much. It's because the Bible, God allows certain men and women to be in the Bible that, have, that, are, that are so relatable to us in so many ways. We, we don't see men and women of perfection. What we do is we see men and women who've got issues. We see men and women who've got struggle. We see men and women who are walking through dark seasons and dark trials. And yet, and yet God chooses to use these imperfect people to represent him in the world. And we see this with Peter. In fact, what we see with Peter is the fact that, and we see this in the Gospel of Luke. We just celebrated or recognized the Lord's Supper. We just had communion. Well, in Luke 22, Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples, his friends. And he is revealing to his disciples, he's, he's revealing to them about what's to come. He's, he's telling them about the crucifixion. He's telling them that he's about to die. He is about to go away. And if you can imagine for the disciples, this may have been very hard to comprehend. But he's revealing this, these, these truths to them, that he's about to be crucified, taken away. He's about to die. And it's about to be a very, very dark season for everybody. And what we see in Luke 22 is that the disciples, after Jesus begins to break all this down for them, we see them kind of argue with each other about who's the greatest. Who's the greatest disciple? 
Who's the greatest of us all? And we see this, this kind of just banter go on between all of them. And finally, Jesus, at the, towards the end of Luke 22, Jesus approaches them and he makes this statement to them. In Luke 22, 31, he says, Simon, Simon, this is, he's talking to Peter. This is another name of Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Stop right there. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. In other words, the devil wants to know what you're made of, Peter. And he's actually talking to all the disciples. He says, Satan has asked for you. He wants to see what it is you're really made of. He wants to see if you're really about this life. He's not thoroughly convinced. And so he's asked for you. He's asked to put a trial on your life. He's asked, in other words, to test you, to see what's on the inside of you. And and I would present to you this morning that not only is Jesus making that statement to Peter and the rest of the disciples, but Jesus is also making the statement to all of us this morning. The fact and the reality is, is for us as believers is that you and I, we are the devil's target. You are the devil's target. Jesus is not the devil's target. Because The devil already knows he can't mess with Jesus. He's already tried that, and he lost. And so to Satan, the next best thing is to, if I can't get to Jesus, let me at least try to get to his followers. And so you are the devil's target. And so Jesus was making that clear to Peter. Hey, Satan has asked for you. Satan desires to test you. Because he's not convinced that you are a true follower. He's not convinced that you're really about this life. He's asked for you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, just kind of skipping ahead a little bit, Peter makes a similar statement to the church. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Like Peter could say that with other confidence. Why? Because Jesus himself told him. He's asked for you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to see what it is that you are really made of. And so the devil's goal for for Peter and the devil's goal for your life is to see that in trials and in tribulation that you will ultimately return and reject God. Remember, he's not after Jesus. He's after his followers. And if you are a follower, that means he's after you. You are his targets. And so Jesus tells Peter, Satan has asked for you. He desires to sift you as wheat. And then he goes on a little further. And here's the response of Jesus, 2231. But I have prayed for you. But I've prayed for you. Now, i got to be honest with you this morning. I don't know if that's 
the exact response I would want to hear from Jesus. I'm just being honest. That would probably not want to be my initial response that I hear from him. What I probably would have preferred Jesus had said is, you know what? Satan has asked for you. He desires to sift you like wheat. But you know what? I'm not going to let that happen. In fact, you stand right there, Peter. Let me stand in between you and the devil because you know what? I'm not going to let him touch you. But that wasn't his response. No, his response was, but I prayed for you, Peter. I prayed for you. I prayed for you that your faith, what? May not fail. I pray that your faith may not fail. Because here's what we know about the text. Jesus already knew that Peter was going to fail. This same Peter that for three years has walked with Jesus, seen Jesus, listened to Jesus, seen miracles, seen supernatural things, had incredible experiences with Jesus. This same Peter, Jesus tells him, if you read later on in the text, he tells him, Peter, you know what? You're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times, Peter. You are going to fail, Peter. You are going to mess up. He said, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Why is that important? Because, see, here's the thing. Jesus knew Peter was already going to fall and fail. He knew Peter was already going to mess up. He said, but I pray that your faith doesn't fail. What does that mean? Faith in what? Faith in me. Peter, I pray that your faith in me doesn't fail. I pray that your faith in my love for you doesn't fail. I pray that your faith in my grace for you doesn't fail because you're going to fall. And when you fall, you're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel condemnation. You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel all these different things. But my prayer is that your faith in my love for you will not fail. And here's the good news. In the same way that, 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 that Jesus communicated to Peter about Satan being after him and it's Satan putting him on his target list, it's the same way for us as well. But in the same way he tells Peter that, that he prayed for him, it's the same thing Jesus says to every single one of us. But I prayed for you. Jesus prays for you. He prays for you. The same type of prayer that he's praying for Peter is the same type of prayer that he's praying for us. That your faith will not fail. Romans 8.34 says that Jesus is at the right hand of God and that he is also interceding for us. Meaning he's, he's making prayer petitions for us. He's praying for you. He's praying for me right now at this moment. Why? Because the devil has asked for you. The devil wants to see what you're made of. The devil's not convinced that you, just like Peter, are fully committed to him. 
are faithful to him. Jesus says, I prayed for you. I prayed for you, Peter. I pray for you, church, that your faith will not fail. Because just like Peter, you're going to mess up. Just like Peter, you're going to deny me. You know that every time we sin, we deny Christ? Think about that for a moment. Every time we sin, we deny his power at work in us. Every time that we sin, we deny that what he has for us is better than what our flesh and the world has for us. Because when we sin, it is us giving into our flesh. It is us giving into the world. And so we too, like Peter, we deny him. When Jesus was arrested, Peter, the same disciple, the same guy, who in the same chapter says, Jesus, I will die for you. There's no way I'm going to deny you. I would die for you. I am faithful to you, faithful to you to the end, Jesus. I, I would never deny you. Well, just moments later, Jesus is arrested and taken to be crucified. And Peter, he follows from a distance. He's following Jesus from a distance as he's been being uh, taken to, 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 to be crucified and to be tried and all this stuff. And three times people come up to Peter. They come up to Peter and say, hey, man, aren't you the disciple? Aren't you one of the guys that was with Jesus, with, with the, the Nazarene? Aren't you one of He says, oh, no, man, I don't even know him. No, 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 that wasn't me. That was some other guy. I don't even know who that person is. We see Peter in a state of failure. We see Peter in a state of denial that he even knows the Christ. Three times, as Jesus said, he denies him. If you can imagine for a moment what Peter must have felt like after that third denial. Can you imagine for a moment the, 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 the guilt and, and, and the shame that Peter must have been experiencing in that moment? I'm a failure. I've messed up. Why would Jesus want anything else to do with me? Because in his mind, when Jesus needed me most, I couldn't even be there to acknowledge that I knew him. And so Peter was in a dark place. He was in a dark season. He was being sifted. He was in a trial, and he failed. How many times have we failed? How many times have, because of our sin, denied Christ? How many times have we messed up? How many times do we still continue to mess up? How many times do we still continue to fail? 
And so you can imagine Peter is in this dark place of shame and guilt. He denied his Lord, his friend, his rabbi, the Christ. But Jesus knew it all along. Jesus knew he would fail him. He he knew he would mess up. But I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Your faith would not fail. And so Jesus, after Peter's denial, we know many of the disciples went into hiding and and fear for their own life because if they arrested Jesus, chances are they're going to come after us too. And so they're in hiding and afraid for their life. Peter is not only in hiding and maybe afraid for his life, he's also in shame, he's in guilt. Jesus is crucified and he dies on a cross. And they lay him in this tomb. They lay him in this tomb. The Bible says that Mary, Jesus' mother, and Mary of Magdalene, they, 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 they come to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with fragrances and spices. and They come there, and, and it's there that they see that the stone is rolled away. And it's there an angel of the Lord has a message for them. In fact, we see this in Mark 16, 6. He says, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's resurrected from the dead. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? He's not here anymore. But here's the beautiful thing. Verse verse 7. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter. Why is that important for us today? Because see, Peter thought his life with Jesus was through. Peter saw himself as a failure. He saw himself in shame. He was guilty. He denied Jesus. And Jesus knew what Peter would be feeling. Jesus understood why Peter was feeling what he was feeling. But that's why he said, you know what? Go and tell the disciples. But if you, if you don't tell anybody else, make sure you at least tell Peter. Peter needs to know this. I'm singling him out. Because Peter's not in a good place right now. Peter is not doing too well right now. Tell the disciples and Peter. He needs to hear this. 
And so Jesus, he tells Peter, rewind a little bit, he tells Peter, hey, Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. But then Jesus goes on to say, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter, I pray for you that your faith would not fail because you are going to fail. You are going to fall. You are going to sin. But my prayer is that your faith in me would not fail, that your faith in my love for you would not fail, that your faith in my grace for you would not fail, that your faith in my mercy for you will not fail. You're going to fall. But when you come back, when you get back up, when you hear about my resurrection, when I reinstate you into ministry again, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus prays for you that your faith would not fail, and you will fall, and you will fail, and you will mess up. But here's the beautiful thing in all of this is that God still restores. God still restores. Where Peter was feeling like a failure, where Peter knew that he had messed up, where Peter was feeling shame and guilt, Jesus says, you know what? He needs to know of my resurrection. He needs to be encouraged right now. And we know in the Gospels that Jesus, when he sees Peter after he's resurrected, he reinstates Peter. He says, you know what? Go feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you failed. But you know what? It doesn't change my love for you. It doesn't change how I feel about you. My grace is still sufficient for you. My mercy is renewed every morning. Peter, go feed my sheep. Go feed the church. Go build up the church. I'm not done with you, Peter. I'm not done with you. I'm not finished with you. And can I tell you something this morning? He's not done with you. Because you're going to fail, you're going to fall, you're going to mess up. But when you come back, when you get back up, strengthen your brothers. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of this letter that we're reading because 1 Peter is an answer to one of Jesus' prayers for Peter. What we see in 1 Peter is Peter is now strengthening his brothers. Peter knows failure. Peter knows denying Christ. 
Peter knows what it is to fall flat on his face, to be in his darkest season. But Peter also knows what it is to get back up. Peter also knows what it is to still be loved by the Father, regardless of your sin and your failure. It's the comeback. That's the story of the gospel. It's, it's the comeback. It's the, it's the reality that, that we're going to walk through this life failing. We're going to walk through this life messing up. We're going to walk through this life sinning. We're going to make bad choices. We're going to make bad decisions. But Jesus, the intent of Jesus is not that you stay there. But his intent is that you get back up. Don't sit in your shame. Don't sit in your guilt. Because see, that's the, that's the target of the enemy. The devil would love for you to stay in your guilt. He would love for you to stay in all your shame. That's his sifting. But Jesus wants for you to get back up. Chris, you had a bad day yesterday. Yeah, it was a tough day for you. Chris, you made some bad choices yesterday. I, I know. I, I know what you did. I know how you acted. I, I know what you listened to. Oh, oh, I know what you saw yesterday. I know what you thought yesterday. Yeah, I saw all that. But I forgive you. get back up not only just to get back up now now you strengthen your brothers you you strengthen the church because there are people that have failed and have messed up just like you have and they need to be lifted up because right now they're feeling guilty they're feeling shameful Chris tell them about my grace Tell them about my mercy. Tell them that I still love them. And so I don't know where you are this morning, watching online or here in person. But maybe you feel like you just messed up so bad. There's just no way that Jesus would ever look your way again. You know, when Jesus went to go find Peter after he resurrected, you know what he found Peter doing? Fishing. Found them fishing. I don't know, Peter in his mind may have been like, you know what, I, I failed. There's, 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 <laughs> there's no space for me anymore. I, 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 surely I can't be in ministry anymore. I can't share Jesus with the world anymore. I, I can't do that anymore. I, so let me just go back to what I'm used to because th that, that's over for me. I've messed up. There's no way I can get up from this. There's no way I can get back to that. And yet we read in the Gospels that Jesus goes to Peter and says, come on, Peter, come on, feed my sheep. I'm not done with you. Get up off of that boat. 
and let's get back to work. And that's what I would say to you all this morning. Is to get up off the ground. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Turn and repent of your sin. And let's get back to work. Because when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Don't ever feel this morning, and Dennis, you can come on up. Don't ever feel that you're ever in a place that you can't get back up. Doesn't matter what sins you've committed. Doesn't matter the darkest, deepest secretive thoughts you may have thought that have been so foul. The things you have done. God sees all. There's no hiding. You can hide from me and you can hide from each other, but you can't hide from him. And he sees everything. He sees everything about you, your deepest darkest sin and secret and yet he still looks to you and says get back up get back up and so to any of you listening to this this morning or online or here in person it's time to get back up You're never too far gone in your sin that Jesus can't come and pick you up again. 